0: Lifeology, the guide to a happier life, with Susie Mack and relationship counsellor, Valerie Ellis.
1: So welcome to Lifeology, our new podcast with Valerie Ellis and Susie Mack. So exciting. Hello, Valerie. How are you? Hello. Many of you might actually um, have already heard us probably from the Susie Mack show that I host on a Thursday afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. And Valerie is one of my regulars. She comes in every week. Um, she is a therapist specializing in relationship counseling. And every week we kind of have a chat about different areas of relationships and, and you know, how things can go awry sometimes oh, and how yes. you can help to bring them back <laughs> yes. um but yeah that's kind of our background I mean Valerie if you want to kind of introduce yourself and why we kind of got together in the first place and why we decided to do a book a podcast
0: yeah so I think we were having having a good time in the 10 minute slot that we had on your show mm-hmm. but we felt a bit restricted by that 10 minute uh deadline didn't we so we just we, had too much to say we, I was, yeah, <laughs> Just about to say exactly the same thing. We had so much more to say on the topic. So <laughs> we thought everybody would like 25 minutes of us talking Absolutely. rather than just 10. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And we kind of got together as a partnership um, mm. and to do the podcast because obviously there is so much to relationships in general, mm. whether it's with mm. your family, whether it's with colleagues, whether it's with your loved ones. Mm. Um, what is your background then? Why why did you get into it in the first place? And what's your kind of...
0: Well, a long time ago, I someone gave me a book called the road less traveled which was written by a psychiatrist one of the uh most well-read best-selling psychology books in the history of the personal growth kind of area and that changed my life It, it made me realize there was i had an inner world as well as an outer world i think that's that's the most profound things what psychology does is acknowledge that as well as the world you see around you there is a world inside you and that in fact that is determining to a large extent the quality of the world around you Mm -hmm. so I fell in love with psychology I went to university in Australia in Australia yeah Yep. so I went to the University of Queensland and did an honours degree in psychology and worked in private practice uh, since then generally speaking I've did some other jobs before that as Mm. well though brilliant and you've been over here for how long in the UK seven months
1: not long so an old hand
0: (laughs) Well, I did. I grew up in Surrey, so oh, you did. Um, okay. So I grew up here, then went to Australia, did that, and then and just very recently came back. So in fact, I was super excited to see we had a tiny bit of snow this morning. No, and I was kind of thinking, oh, what does that mean for the school run? <laughs> yeah so, your face, you were like, yuck. I was like, oh my gosh, it's a magical snow day. <laughs> so it was still novelty for me. I mean,
1: for me, obviously, be, coming from Scotland, and from Edinburgh um, mm-hmm. originally, born and bred, and then I been down here for going on 20 years oh, so nice. for me snow wasn't that exciting but it's still nice well, you had
0: plenty in scotland i would imagine absolutely right, okay. so i have not I've been, so much in australia <laughs> not so much so
1: i've been down here for about 20 years um yeah. primarily in london for a good few of them and then moved out here once i had kids i've got three children mm. um so and I've been doing lots of different kind of um, PR marketing for many, many years. That's mm-hmm. kind of my career. But I also did a bit of media before, a bit of radio presenting and TV presenting. So that's why Was I came back to Brooklyn. It's a mix of Scotland and down here, in oh, fact. Okay. And then I came um, across Brooklyn's radio. So I've been doing the Susie Mack show since then. Yep. Um, so thank you. Thank you for coming up with this this great kind of partnership idea as well. And I think it's very exciting just to kind of have a bit more time. Yes. To, to talk things through properly yeah uh,
0: i mean it's all very well to make a point but i think it's nice to talk it through in a little bit more detail see different sides to things uh have a laugh in the middle as well like you know when when we've got a very short time span we have to make the point quickly it's it's more serious i think it's nice if we have a bit of a laugh so absolutely hopefully people can expect us to be um, a bit silly sometimes <laughs> so that's kind of our background this week in our first debut podcast what are we going to talk about I have been thinking a lot in the last week or so about this idea that people will marry someone they don't like. And mm-hmm. I, know, I don't know if that sounds as, as significant as it seems to be to me. Um, I, I was talking to a client recently and they were complaining about their partner as, you, as they do when they come to see me. So the reason that someone's come to see me is because the relationship's got to the point where they're not happy and seriously unhappy and they want to talk about it. And yeah,
1: they're not going to come to you and say, just, just having a half-hour session to tell you everything's great. great. Everything's, great. <laughs>
0: everything's good, yeah. So it's And it's usually around about when children are sort of mid-teenagers that I start to see clients, sort of somewhere at the 15, 20-year mark into the relationship. Okay. So they're telling me about their partner and that their partner is unsupportive of their work, uncompassionate, doesn't care about them, selfish, shallow, self-absorbed. And I don't know if they are or not. I... One thing I think it's interesting for listeners to understand is a therapist doesn't necessarily believe everything they're told. I mean, Uh once we have evidence, we do. But just because someone says their partner isn't a nice person doesn't necessarily mean we believe it. But what I can believe is that this person doesn't like their partner. They don't see any merit in them. And I work on this, a a certain hypothesis uh, when people talk to me about this kind of thing. So I ask this client, well, tell me how you met this person. Tell me the first date, the first dates, the first couple of weeks, the first couple of months. Okay, so taking it right back. Right back. So I'm interested in the whole context. I want to know how you met this person and uh, what they were like at the beginning. And as this client's telling me about their partner, their spouse, they start to describe what they were like back then, and they're describing exactly the same character traits as they are complaining about today. Is that because they're in a the headspace currently, though,
1: where they're just not liking that person, so they're not really looking back through those tinted glasses, or are they starting
0: to realise, hold on a minute, that's what they were like then, too? It's usually, and and my this hypothesis holds true almost exclusively, that the person that my client is complaining about the partner that my client is complaining about is exactly the same person that they met Mm. they haven't actually changed um they're they're seeing it more clearly now so I ask this client to describe this they're describing the person that they married 20 years ago and they start to realize oh wow they were like this when I knew them when I met them like within Mm. weeks and months and my hypothesis is that they you ma- whatever you're complaining about now was presented to you all that time ago. Maybe you chose to ignore it because you had an end goal in sight. Exactly. There are other things that overwhelm this, but this information was present at the time. and the the other bits and pieces that it made me think about was you know the divorce rate. half of half of marriages end in divorce. Almost all divorces are acrimonious. Mm-hmm. Almost nobody can split a house and child access. Civilly, um, even people who are married, the other half who stay married, aren't all happy with each other. You see people bickering and complaining and criticising each other. You hear it in the in in the supermarket aisle, some a couple next to you complaining about each mm. other. Um, so. No, if you think about it, uh, less than fifty percent of people who have married each other like each other.
1: So, do you think that that's something though? If people are, are separating and getting divorced, it does tend to become acrimonious. Financial things come up, and and, and sort of territory and objects and what's mine and what's mm, yours. Mm. But is that not developing later? But you or you think that that's actually the way it kind of was before. Right back in the day when they first met.
0: Well, you, you say it as though, well, of course it's acrimonious. They're getting divorced. Mm. Well, I don't think that's necessarily the case. There is a small number of people who can divorce quite consciously heavily. uncouple. Uh, consciously uncouple, yes. <laughs> um,
1: Does that happen if you don't have much money and you live in? Uh, yeah, if you, you know, if you, 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 you live, live in the south read, of England and you're kind of <laughs>
0: yeah, you haven't read lots of self help books. Yeah, that's right. um, I just. So, you, as I say, you, you say, well, of course it's acrimonious, as though that's inevitable. It isn't. I don't think it is. I think it's it's acrimonious because you don't like the person that you are divorcing You um, to such an extent that you're no longer prepared to be polite, civil mm. and decent.
1: But it's also that you don't have skin in the game anymore. There's no need to be polite and decent because, you know what,
0: I don't need to be around this person anymore. But shouldn't you be a decent person to other people because you want to be a decent person I mean I don't have skin in the game with you but I'm civil and polite I'll offer to make a cup of tea for you I'm you know well, I'd be you. kind I was wondering I'd, where it was. I'd be on time for you <laughs> you know if we made an appointment if we were splitting the lunch bill I wouldn't go well I you should pay 70 percent and I should pay 30 percent. Mm, especially when there's kids involved it's it is sad isn't it when yeah. you see it happening yeah so if, you'd, if
1: they don't like the person at the start, why would somebody feel motivated to then go on and have a relationship or get married to that person?
0: Well, I suppose the simple answer is something other than liking someone is, is driving marriage, is driving the reason to marry, which I, again, I, know, I don't know if listeners are going to sort of appreciate, I think this is much more profound than it sounds. Because if you don't like someone and then you make a contract with them to spend the rest of your life with them, with them, if you buy a house with them, if you give birth to children with them, if your superannuation pension is mixed up with them, You've committed to all these things with someone that you don't like. Mm. It's bizarre. It's it's incredible when you think about it. It would be like you and I buying a house together and adopting some children and mixing our pension fund together, mm. but not liking each other. You wouldn't do it. But I guess it's the, it's that thing, isn't it? It's kind of the the, the sweaty palms. It's the time pressure. You should be doing this now. Look, that's one of the reasons, isn't it? So sometimes people get married because they've hit thirty-two or something. And they need, they think they need to marry, and so the next available okay person, <laughs> yeah. they marry. Who ticks enough boxes? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's time pressure is one of them. Here's here's a a story of a client I had a, a long time ago so most of my clients are between sort of 40 and 55 after before that you don't have a lot of experience of life after that you're like yeah whatever it is what it is you can't be honest. yeah you're exactly. done <laughs> um so, but I I'm very unusually I remember this client because she was I think about 62 or 3 or something so relatively old to be in therapy and think about that so this was when probably about 15 years ago Mm. when she was 60, let's say. And then um, she was brought up. um, So that means she was brought up about 80 years ago. She was born 80 years ago now, thinking about it. Um, Can you do the maths? I don't know what... what Um, decade that was in yeah, a long time ago a long time
1: ago so so it was a different cultural vibe yeah different different era. era Yeah. so
0: she tells this story of a long time ago she was on the train and again train journeys back then would have taken a lot longer trains weren't so fast so she's In Australia a long time ago on a train as a teenager going from one place to another it's a long long train journey and she meets a man on the train and as we do we fall in love that's pretty standard we can find someone very attractive in sort of 10 or 20 minutes Hmm. and she spends this long train journey with this handsome stranger on the train it's like a romantic yeah um, and, and sort of falls in love and then they get off at whatever stations and they never see each other again but she has this romantic fantasy in her mind for the rest of her life um and it's probably
1: embellished throughout the years, you know, added fingers and tools of uh, what this man could be like. Exactly, and, yeah. yeah.
0: And, but in the meantime, she gets on with her life. She goes, you know, she lives in her hometown. She goes out with guys and has sex with one of them and gets pregnant. And no judgment on that. Sex is, we're, we're pro-naked bodies, we're pro-sex. Sex is not a bad thing. For sure. You know, this, is, this is fine behavior. The problem was no birth control back mm. then. Mm. So she gets pregnant and is forced, as people were back then, to marry the guy. To do the right thing. To, inverted commas, yeah. yeah. And the right thing turns out to be to be unhappy with her part, her husband for the rest of her mm. life, to make him unhappy for the rest of his life, to complain about him to their children for the rest of her life. To both feel resentment. To both feel resentment to and to idolise the man she met on the train for the rest of her life. I should have married him. Should have married him. Now, you don't know, the guy could have been a murderer. He could have <laughs> yeah. been a dreadful husband as well. Um, but that wasn't taken into account. And she ma- she walks down the aisle with a guy that she, do- she doesn't particularly want to marry. She doesn't particularly like. Now, I'm, I'm not saying... I understand very deeply the pressure that she would have been put under. And and there'll be people listening now who will have perhaps had that experience or have friends who had that experience. Absolutely. And some people who actually it worked out pretty good for them. And it was fine. Absolutely. And
1: and kind of, I suppose, that would also come in with certain arranged marriages and certain cultures. Absolutely. You know, some people say it was brilliant for them. You pressured it, yes.
0: Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm not saying she made a sort of very intentional conscious choice, but she ended up married to someone and they, I don't know if he liked her either, but they, they didn't like each other. And so they spend 30 or 40 mm-hmm. years unhappy with each other. And that's probably more common back then. But... And what about the other thing? I mean,
1: okay, that's that kind of pressurized, forced situation. What about other reasons that people would marry somebody they don't like? Would it be, okay, societal, you should be married now? Is it is it also that kind of age of loneliness somebody's looking for I
0: think a lot of people marry people not to be lonely yeah I really do I, th- I would all I would be in certain places I'd put that as the number one
1: because we've talked before in our on our um, program mm. Susie Maxwell, about how actually loneliness drives a lot of things within relationships mm. and mm. people that you wouldn't really necessarily second look at yes. um, but, and and also health the health relationship, you know, if if you're on your own and you're lonely, how you're kind of more, um, you
0: might die earlier, mm, you might that's be true. ill, and all this sort of stuff. So yeah. that is quite a big pivotal so, reason. Yeah, look, and I think there's a physiological drive, as you just said, when people are alone. I, I, I'm i remembering the, the the conversation we had about this, and I, I there was a list of health factors. It's in my book, mm. the, in the introduction of my book. There's a whole list of um, health factors that if you're married, you're you recover quick, more quickly from an, uh, um, an, an operation. operation. Yeah. You're less likely to have a heart attack. You're less likely to have a stroke, less likely to have mental illness, all kinds of things. Being alone, being the, in contrast to that, you increase your risk. So physiologically, it's a problem. And emotionally for people, um, they cope badly with, with being alone. Um, and so instead of choosing someone because they like that someone they're choosing not aloneness that's right and and i so the 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 story i I opened up with um the guy the the person who was complaining about their spouse and they'd been the same the whole time um that i as i asked them about the the beginning of the relationship i and they were describing it they suddenly realized oh wow the the complaints I have now were there back then. Wow, what was I thinking? What were you thinking? Yeah, and they re- this was a revelation to them, and and they said, you know, I'm, I look back now at at who, how I was feeling, and I don't think I loved my partner. I can't feel that 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 love was something I had at that point. And so, the inevitable next question comes up: Well, then, why was I there? Mm. Um, and they. They told a couple of stories of when they were early teenagers. So, you know, we're all very sensitive back then to being loved and appreciated by other people and judged. And they had been – they'd had a horrible comment made to them about their looks. Uh-huh. And that a sticks cruel, with you. Really cruel mm. comment had, me, had been made to them about their looks. And they had unequivocally believed that nobody would find them attractive. Oh, horrific. Nobody. And it, I felt – really felt for them. Like it, it touches me now to think of it, how this – delicate you know we're all very delicate as teenagers this delicate person was had a horrible comment made to them and they just it went straight to their heart oh i'm so ugly no one will love me and that person were they not being horrible but were they quite ugly or were they no this person's perfectly fine looking like you're walking down the street Um, perfectly worthy of having a date or worthy of... Terrible, isn't it? It's so cruel. So cruel. So cruel. And And that's affected their whole whole life life. choices. Like literally, that is it, isn't it? Here's the profundity of it, that they believed that. They believed what a nasty other person said, that they were so ugly, no one would love them. And so when they met this person that they're now married to, and this person wanted to be with them, wanted to hold their hand and kiss them and go to bed with them and marry them... They were like, oh, wow, I've found a person who's going to overlook my ugliness Jeez. and want me. And so th- this person, the client, married the, this, their spouse because they thought no one else would ever want them. So they didn't marry their spouse because they loved them or thought they were a lovely person. They married them because of the alternative. I suppose also a motivating factor I'm just thinking is, you know,
1: obviously children, people want to have kids mm-hmm. and, and ticking point you know that's a really good t- point. time. Stuff. Yep. But also people I suppose there's the materialistic element as well. Yeah, people want to have the marriage, the party, the, the materialistic oh, yeah. The car, the house, all that. Oh, yes. At any cost. And I, to be honest, when I think about it, I've got a couple of friends, and I'm obviously not going to name them, but we've had conversations when they've kind of divulged after a few glasses of wine, mm. well, yeah, he, he's nice enough. Mm.
0: But it certainly wasn't true love. No, it's not, a, it's not a, it's, I was actually going to say a grand passion. Who cares about that? It, it isn't based on respect and liking and appreciation. Mm. And it was a wedding. It, it was a was party. A it was for their families. People don't want a marriage. They want a wedding. Mm-hmm. They want the this fantasy, especially I think women are particularly guilty of this. They want the incredible dress, the lashings of attention, the, you know, your own hair and makeup artist, a photographer focused on you, you walking down the aisle, this, absurdity of being a princess for a day all the families the oh. parties
1: that this that, that yeah you know and and as you have we kind of discussed before that can take a good year or so oh, up yeah. of your life and you are very um busy oh. planning all of that 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 kind of
0: you oh, can a ignore project.
1: a lot you can ignore a lot of the problems oh yeah
0: that's a big big project that you are the center of attention of um you are well you're not a princess for a day you're a princess for a year
1: yeah absolutely. and then, of course, these days we have social media, so it's then let's get the pictures up on Instagram and mm. Facebook and let everybody una mm. at them. you know it's it's, Masses of admiration. it's just scary, but that's the way it is.
0: Well, you've just reminded me of another client I had just such a lovely person, um had had a very difficult childhood met the guy, um, but neither of them would have been very conscious and intentional kind of people, you know, fallen in love and gone along the sort of um, the recipe that we go through Mm -hmm. of, you know, you do this, you you, you get engaged, you get married, blah, 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 blah. blah. And so she's she's going to get married to, to the guy and... I I think I remember her saying to me as a client, if I'm remembering correctly, she's in the wedding dress shop. She's trying the wedding dress on and she has this massive anxiety attack that it's a terrible thing that she's Mm. thinking of doing and then goes ahead anyway. Mm -hmm. And she, 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 she recalls this over the course of therapy says, Oh my gosh, I've just realized I knew weeks out that this was all, this was terrible. And I, I, and she couldn't stop the momentum of the marriage, and also yeah, it's that kind of thing of you don't want to let people down. Oh, look, and and I think it, I actually have a lot of sympathy for this because I think the enormous amount of momentum mm-hmm. that a that the a wedding preparation would have um, would be extremely difficult for the average twenty something year old to resist the the immense pressure and. Actually, it reminds me of something else. The, the current client that we started talking about this about, um, they were, they, they'd said that they'd rung a friend of theirs complaining about their spouse, the one that they were complaining to me about. And they said, I can't stand them. I can't stand Hmm. them. And their friend said, oh, don't worry about it. That's just what they're like. Don't don't worry about it. That's, you you know, everybody knows that they're like that. Don't worry about Uh it. Get on with it. Ah. And so their friend, their best friend actually encouraged them to ignore their own reaction, their own, I can't stand this person that I'm going out with and their friend encouraged them to carry on anyway. I think, so imagine it's a if you're doing a wedding, one. you've sent invitations, people have bought presents, they've probably sent some, they've booked yeah. a, you've booked a thing, you've paid the deposit, you've got the dress, then you realise it's a mistake? Yes. Is, there's no way people around you are going to let you off that wedding.
1: No, and they'll just say it's just jitters, it's just nerves. Yes, they you will, know?
0: you're exactly right.
1: Thinking about this, is it the same nowadays? Are we going to see less people marrying somebody they don't like? Because there's there's less pressures. There's less arranged marriages. There's less mm. shotgun inverted comma yes, weddings. Yes. I mean, we have the pressure of social media and what have you. So in that way, there's other pressures. But do you think it's going to be less?
0: Are people going to go for their true loves and wait? I think there's. It's bound to be less. Number one, contraception. So people don't. But people still get pregnant. But there's not not the same social judgment about mm. getting pregnant outside of being married. Yes. Also, arranged marriages are less than they were. Um, women in particular are not as financially dependent on men. So women go out and get a career so they don't have to get married in order to leave their own family, family home. home which, yes. I mean, I've heard this one before as well from clients saying, I think I actually maybe married Bob because I wanted to get... I, I, it's, it's not even a think. They, they know. They, yeah. I had a horrible childhood. My family were abusive. I married Bob to escape my family. Yeah, That's, that's very clear for some people. Um, so now women um, have the opportunity to, to get educated and get their own work. They can leave a, an unpleasant family home without marrying someone in order to do that. So yeah. that's much diminished as a motivation as well. Um, we've got Oprah, we've got Dr. Phil, we've got personal growth books. People it's, are talking more. People are talking more about how mm. they feel, about psychology, about personality. Um, so you're, if, I think if you're 20 now you're less likely to overlook your own feelings and the way the other person is than we were when we were 20 and when people were 20 80 years ago. So the gut feeling,
1: you're thinking, actually, okay, I can't ignore it. Mm. Going forward, yeah. it's always nice to leave on a positive note. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what kind of advice would you recommend people if they want to avoid marrying somebody they don't like, essentially, what would you recommend if they're kind of in the first flourish of relationships? Is there like a checklist or is, is there a kind of test that they can do about how they
0: feel and if this is the right person for them? I think I think you have the opportunity, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, there's a lot more pre-marriage counselling now. So you have, there isn't the pressure to marry anymore. That's another reason people don't have to marry people they don't like. Absolutely, There's less pressure to marry. Um, people who live together first um, that whole group of people divorce less because, because they they've suscitate. tested it out yeah. Exactly. so there's that option test it out first that's an option um, see a therapist there's plenty of personal growth books out there um, I my, my book compatibility has a has eight sort of factors that you can look at to see if you're compatible with the other person I th- think just being aware gives you a massive advantage. And then you have all those options to explore it um, for yourself now that that, um, you didn't have previously. And you could avoid 20, 30 years of actually just... Please do not It's not great for either of the people, is it? And look, you know what I think the actual key... If I'm going to give one bit of advice to not end up 30 years later desperately regretting having spent the majority of your life with the wrong person it would be to care deeply about yourself mm-hmm. and this is going to sound so trite and fied, and it's not i really really mean this if you value yourself if you are if you commit to your health and well-being if you educate yourself if you conduct yourself with ethics and morality if you surround yourself with people who support you if you Find work that fulfills you as a person and gives you purpose and meaning. If you cherish yourself as you would a favorite child or something. I love that, a favorite child. Because we're (laughs) often more caring of our children than we are of ourselves. Yes. You know, um, if you cherished yourself, I don't think you would tolerate a relationship that didn't suit you. And let me make Mm an asterisk here. I don't think just because you don't like someone doesn't mean they're, they're the bad guy. That's There's right. any fault in them. I'm not saying that. There's plenty of people that I wouldn't want to marry who are lovely human beings. They're, so just because you don't like someone and you shouldn't marry them doesn't make them bad. No. But because I care about me, I wouldn't lock myself into an arrangement that I wasn't satisfied by. So truly understanding and cherishing yourself is the safest way to make any choice about yourself in life.
1: I love that thank you so much Valerie that's really good words to go away with today it's so exciting doing our first podcast is that it done I know and the Tick. sun just came out well there you go that's a sign isn't it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the next one we're going to have a think about what our next topic will be mm. but it'll be equally mm. challenging and I, interesting I,
0: I want to I make some comments about my experience of coming to England oh gosh I've been here for seven months so it's very, it's really standing out to me okay I want to hear all about this <laughs> on and off air what's it like just to own in England I want to know about the time.
1: dating over here that you found. That's what I'm interested in. <laughs> Thank right. you so much, Valerie. Listen again next week for another edition of Lifeology.
0: Lifeology with Susie Mack and Valerie Ellis. therapist specialising in relationship counselling. More at veryvalerieellis.com.